Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into Cheap Eat this week, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Bambi. Um, listen, you start a small business. The reason you start the small business is because you want to do business. It's not because you're, you know, trying to deal with HR problems. So you go to Bambi and Bambi handles it for you. B-A-M-B-E-E. Okay. HR issues can drive you crazy if you don't handle it. So you need a good HR manager and they're not cheap. Average of $70,000 salary for an HR manager. But if you go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash cheap, get that hookup right now. All right. So they do it month to month, no hidden fees, onboarding, terminations, everything you need. A dedicated HR manager available by phone, email, or real-time chat. So change your business today. It's only $99 a month. So Bambi.com slash cheap right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash cheap. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash cheap. Also, big shout out to Ariel Halwani, UFC 250 going down this weekend. So you know you want to go to his MMA podcast. You get caught up on everything that's going down with MMA. Shouts to Ariel Helwani. Subscribe wherever you listen to ESPN podcasts. All right, SGG, uh, we are here. What a difference a week makes. Yeah, man. Um, although, you know, last week, things were all, we, what day did we record Undertaker? I think it was Thursday. So things were already crazy, but we were able to completely focus on Undertaker and, and really a shout out to all the uh, amazing Love we got in comments and positive reinforcement. Um, people really enjoyed it. Over a million views on YouTube. Over a million views on YouTube. Um, yes, I'm glad I thought to do it on Zoom. And then uh, th- shout out to the people at ESPN who handled it for us. Um, I'm glad that I pushed to make sure we, we did that and got it posted. Um, shout out to Andrew Feldman who helped connect the dots for us and make sure we got those up. I knew it would be gold you know, to get those clips up on YouTube. And, and yeah, they both did, both clips we put up did really well. I, I was considering posting the whole thing on my YouTube channel. I still might do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, really, really cool stuff. And it was nice to be able to just uh, not focus on anything for that time except that. So, SGG, I was thinking, since we know we're going to talk about, at least spend some time on the issues at hand, I think what we should do is talk about it now for maybe 15 minutes up front. And that way, and I'm not saying this in a way, um, I don't say this with judgment because there could be people who feel incredibly passionately about what's going on and still don't want to hear a podcast about it right now. Who still could be like, I've been talking about it. Like last night I had a therapy session. I do group therapy and it came up in group therapy 
And I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, I just got off the clock, guys. I've been doing this for the last 12 hours. I was kind of hoping to cover, but obviously it's something that is on people's mind. So we <laughs> talked about it. But what I'm saying is you can be passionate and spend your entire life. You know, maybe you're someone who's, this is your entire life is human rights. And when you turn on GP, you're like, I'm just here for an hour of wrestling. This is all I need. So if you want to jump ahead to the wrestling part, you feel free. If you're thinking, I'm not that involved in it and I don't care, well, then you should listen. Yeah, this is for you. But this is for you and you should specifically listen. But if you're already incredibly committed to it and you just need a break, go ahead. I get it. Skip ahead and you can listen to the wrestling portion. Um, but uh, I guess, SGG, what are you um, – you know, what are, what are the thoughts that are primarily on your mind as we sit here, I don't know, 10 days in to whatever or whatever to this current uh, situation in the United States? I mean, believe it or not, I feel a little bit hopeful this time around, which might be very naive of me to say. But it's just like, you know, the the amount of support that the Black Lives Matter movement is is getting and, you know, with the whole world watching, it feels like more people are participating, that more people are listening, more people are learning. And so it feels like there's some some real change that that can happen around the corner. More, more tangible solutions are being put forward mm-hmm. in terms of how we can handle the police and, and how we can address the issue of police brutality, which, you know, again, you have people like... Colin Kaepernick, who's right at the forefront of that, trying to raise this issue years ago, feels like something that we could have dealt with, and he kind of got swept away. They hope they hope they muzzled him. They thought they shelved it that they could move on, but now it feels like people aren't gonna gonna let it go as easily. Not that it got let go last time, but just that like it's not gonna be swept back under the rug. You know what I mean? People seem ready for change. I love the uh, I love you coming in positive. That's that's great because I, I have I, I've, I've the last twenty four hours I've noticed that becoming a little bit of a theme. Um, I heard a clip of an interview with Tanahasi Coates, and he and if, if you're not familiar with him, he's, he's at this point probably the foremost writer uh, and maybe just like intellectual on the subject of race relations and Black America. Um, and he was saying he's he's very hopeful, and that the the mark of change um, on these sorts of issues comes from the way the reaction you see outside of the affected community. Yeah. So so like he and he and he went back to the '60s and talked about the difference in the '60s versus any attempt that had happened prior, because the civil rights movement, as we know it, was not the first attempt no, for black. So- for black people to have their voices heard. It was the first time the impact got truly made. And I think SGG, I agree with you. There's a lot of uh, ugliness. There's a lot of resistance, and I'll, I'll get into some of that. But I will agree and start on the note of you cannot deny, I think, that this feels markedly different. Nothing like 2012. Nothing like post Trayvon Martin or, or Michael Brown. This this definitively, there is a shift of people who I never saw speaking out. And yes, of course, you can make the argument. Some of it's because they want to just keep up with the crowd and they don't want to be left out or they're getting um, a lot of retweets because of it. Yes, that will exist also. 
However, I'm seeing a lot of people who legitimately seem to care and it didn't seem to affect them. They were in their bubble. They were unaffected. And something particularly about the murder of George Floyd and how um, incredibly painful it was to watch made, for whatever reason, a different impact than, sadly, other losses that are similar have had. Yeah, and I mean, George Floyd didn't have to die. Like, he didn't have to die the way he died. You know, none of that had to happen. Um, but I, I, I'm with you, too. Like, the, the way people are responding is is honestly what you want to see. And, 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 I'm sorry, keep going. Actually. I didn't cut you off. And I was going to say, like, it's, it's what makes you feel like change is, change is coming, whether it's the ultimate change that we want or just some positive steps in that direction feels like some change is coming. And even like you said, the people who maybe just doing it to jump on a wave, like fine, we'll sort, we'll, we'll deal with those people later because you know what? You'll find out if they don't mean it. You'll find out. Yeah. And the people on the other side, they can't tell right now. All they know is that right. the numbers are dwindling against them. And then like exactly. the politicians can't tell people can't tell. So once you see the numbers game start to play out, then fine, jump on the wave, ride it out. Then we'll sort it out when we get where we're going. Right. Cause even now, let's say you're a corporation and you put out a very fluffy statement that said black lives matter, whatever. And, and people went, Oh, they just put that out because they wanted to seem like they're progressive. Okay. However, if something now happens though, in their business that is counter to that message, they now have to answer to the message they put out. So it still is impactful. That's why people are crushing the Knicks. It's among the reasons for being the only team that didn't put out a statement because by not putting out a statement, they get to kind of, Gets in their eyes, you know, I, I know what they were trying to do. It was the attempt to appease people who were on the other side, which is ultimately why Drew Brees is, is getting dragged to hell and back. Um, because there's no room right now for appeasing the other side. In fact, there is no other side. As far as I see it, there is no other side. There's only one side to be here. You know, I'll, I'll I will accept people who can say, Hey, I gotta be honest before I didn't get it. And now I do. Okay, I believe in growth. You know, listen, Ebro and I are very different. Ebro is as militant a voice as you will hear on the airwaves, and he's, he's a really great and useful voice because you won't hear a voice on public airwaves who go as hard as Ebro does. And there are some things that he says through his lens as a biracial American that are different than my lens, and that's totally okay. And I might – sometimes I'll quiet down on the show when he's going completely hardcore, and I'll let that be his path, and I might say – well, what about, and, and try to challenge him a bit. But ultimately for me, his voice is so powerful and useful and pushes me further militant because sometimes even me, and as progressive as I consider myself to be and as ardent a supporter as I consider myself to be, you hang out with enough middle-of-the-road white people and you can find yourself um, trying to appease them and not wanting to go too hard, and not wanting to offend. And so I, I like getting the sort of kick in the ass that I get in the morning, even if it's 6.30, and I'm not ready for the full-on race war that Ebro is bringing at 6.30. By the time I get off the air at 10 o'clock, I, I feel I always gain something from it. And I think there people have different 
roles to play in this. Um, and there's just no room, though. Like I, like I was trying to say at the beginning, I'll give you a pass for I wasn't aware. You know, like I remember. I was reminded and I remembered. The first week of Collins' protest, I wasn't on board. For like three days, I was like, I don't know about kneeling. I don't know about that. I, I, I feel a little weird about it. And I know right now, if someone were to say that, you get dragged. And, but in the moment, we didn't all know what we were looking at. We just saw one individual action. And I was like, even if I agree with everything he's saying, which I do, I feel a little uncomfortable. And then, and like, I forget what it was. I think it might have been by the next game. In something like a week's time. Probably because I saw the kind of people who hated him for doing it. And I was like, oh, no, hell no. <laughs> I was like, oh, my bad, sorry. But, yeah, my point is you're allowed to have your feelings evolve and go, okay. But, but in this case, there's no room for another side. An innocent man got killed, and he was on a long list that's thousands and thousands of people long. And yeah. and then on top of that, the in-the-middle thing, laying out now, hey, that that's what we've been doing as white people forever. There's a prominent listener to our show. Prominent listener, SGG. And I don't even know, honestly, I don't even know if I brought it up with you, and which is probably part of the problem. I don't, you, you'll know if you're, you'll remember. There's a prominent listener to our show and who reached out to me and we lost this person basically because of how often we were talking about racial problems in wrestling. No, didn't bring it up. Well, that, guess what? That's me being part of the problem because I was so embarrassed that I heard this from this person and was bummed out that I heard it. Um, that I don't, I don't even know if I said anything to anyone. I think I may, maybe to dip at some point, I was like, Hey, you know, so-and-so reached out and said like some weird stuff. And I was kind of like, you do this thing that I've been doing my whole life as a white person. And I try to be better at it, but I, I failed miserably at it in my opinion. And I think most people listening, if they're honest with themselves, have also failed miserably. Um, calling people out when it's uncomfortable. You know, and when someone says, like, he didn't come out and say anything directly racist, but I'm reading between the lines, why do you not want us to talk about this stuff? And, and, and look how history proved us right, SGG, on how important it is. There were weeks when SGG and I didn't feel like talking about another racism story in wrestling. It's our escape, too. <laughs> right. But it kept coming up and happening over and over again. And if you ignore those things... Those are all little pieces that lead to George Floyd having the life choked out of him on tape. And, and the, the, you know, like, like you said, this podcast is our escape, my escape. Like I, I love it because, well, first of all, this conversation is like, listen, look, guy, I'm a black dude. So if you don't want to hear me talk about race, I don't know what to do for you. Cause like it comes up, it's just like interwoven in everything. Like, I don't know if you remember. Oh, SGG froze. We first. Wait, you froze. If I, we, you froze for a second. You said, I don't know if, it, you don't know if I remember what. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. Well, like, when I first came on, right, and I pitched the story, like, they're not the story, like, the stat guy I wrote to you, like, I wanted you guys to call me the stat boy because I was, you know, thinking I'm, I'm Tony Reale. Oh, right, right, right. And then you and Shoemaker were like, nope, I'm not going to call you boy. Like, you can be the stat guy. <laughs> But like, I didn't even that, remember. That's why you're stat guy and not stat boy. 
stat. Yep, you and Shoemaker, like, as soon as the words left my mouth, you were like, nope, that's not happening. You can be stat guy. Like, Definitely not stat get, boy. Get the whole Tony reality thing, but stat, stat boy is not happening. Right. And then, like, two weeks later, the Hogan thing happened, right? We had just did, like, the trivia slam episode, and then the Hogan episode came up, and then Shoemaker was like, all right, Linda, Dip, Goldstein, get out. We got to talk about this. And, like, you know, just my, like, second week there, so I was headed for the door, too, and then you and Shoemaker were like, no, no, you sit down. You need to talk about this, too. And it's just like... We don't. Want, we didn't want to do that. We want to have a fun episode scheduled, and like you said, this stuff keeps coming up. And what are we going to like dance around it? Like, well, and also if you think about you specifically on this show, before this podcast started, I'm not saying other people are copycatting at all. I just podcasts have gotten bigger. We're one of the first podcasts. I mean, we were doing this wrestling podcast before I believe any other prominent one, with the exception of like the Torch, you know, which yeah. which wasn't quite a podcast at that point. It was, you know, it was like his online radio show. Radio show. So we're basically the first wrestling podcast. So when you think about it, you were kind of the first black voice in wrestling podcasting. And one of the real prominent black voices that existed in, in the IWC period. So to, if, if SGG shouldn't bring up race stuff, you know, then who's going to, I, I don't. So I say all that to say when I hear from someone who's like, I'm sick of you guys talking about race. And to our, to our listenership's credit, I really only heard it from this one prominent person. I never really got it from anyone else. I never heard anyone said, Oh, enough politics, enough, enough, this, enough, that, um, you know, it's, it's all the things that add up to caring and trying to do the right thing. And I'm not saying, that we're heroes on this show, or certainly that I am. But I will say I have tried my entire career to um, not only say the right thing, but push but push people around me um, who don't look like me to opportunities. And those are really the only things that you can that I know to try to do, you know, besides give money have a voice. I haven't been to a demonstration yet. I'm not going to lie. I'm still kind of COVID freaked out. I haven't been out there. I've been Same. using, yeah, I've been using my voice and, and doing what I can and giving money, but I, I'm a little, I'm still weirded out by being in a big group of people right now. And it, it hasn't, is you, you, you have the same process. Yeah. Especially too, when like, you know, the cops to wilding out, they refuse to, to listen. They like, you know, I don't know how you respond to the problem of excessive force by the police with excessive force by the police like which the last day the last day was like there were so many videos yesterday the amount of videos yeah that old white man in buffalo yeah like and then they said he tripped and fell it's like come on man and they suspended them they they didn't fire them we saw an old man bleeding out of his head and they still just suspended him they shoved him to the ground and then walked over him and then like he starts bleeding and in their their reports you know he tripped and fell but um yeah, it's just. But the point is, you can just do what you can do. Everyone can do what they can do. But if you let stuff go, and th- this is the main message I, I would say to other white people, and I think that I really think the messaging from, um, I think the messaging to white people is important moving forward. Really important. Like it's almost like the the, the there's messaging to the police and to the government, 
Then there's messaging to white people who are good people who may not have been overly aware and they and, and can acknowledge that they made a mistake by not being aware. The people who are against it, I have no time for you. I have, yeah. There's nothing. You're, yeah. you're, you're losing. So say, oh. say, say goodbye to your country. Whatever you thought you had, you've been losing. And by the way, I've thought for several years that the last of the 2016 election – which I believe was a direct result of Obama being president. Same. It was the last gasp. It was just this last death claw grab at for the racists. You know, they had their last desperation grasp and they've been holding on as tight as they can to their last little grasp. And I believe this, this time around, you're seeing each finger get lifted up and they're about to completely <laughs> fall off the mountain. So to the people who are against this and are saying, all lives matter. Oh, I'm not even, not even here for you. Not even here for you. Now, if you're, if you're someone out there who goes, I sincerely don't understand the difference. Like, why don't all lives matter? There's a tone to a question that I can entertain, and then there's you boldly proclaiming it with exclamation points, okay? Right. The question, people, I'm, I'm, I'm here to at least try to give an answer. To white people listening who may just be into wrestling and don't really focus on these issues, and you live in a world where you don't have to be, it doesn't affect your family that way. All I will say is you have had opportunities like I just alluded to in my own life where people bring things up around you and they say things because there are no black people around and you have let it go. There's, there's just, it's over. I'm, I am, I've done it before. I have have times when I've called people out and I have times when I've let it go. There's no more letting it go. There's, there's absolutely if you want to do your small part, what can that be? It's holding the people you love accountable. No more, well, Aunt Darcy's, you know, she's 90. So, yeah, she says the N-word, but she treats she, she treats the black lady at the grocery store so nice. No, F Aunt Darcy. Right. It, there's no more. I don't care what year she was born. I don't care where she's from. I don't care if she doesn't know better. Everyone knows better. And if they don't, guess what? They're going to find out now. And it's already, it's been, and all of that adds up to the constant demoralization of black people that makes us, uh, 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 an officer show, Derek Chauvin think that it doesn't matter when he just chooses to murder a man on the street. It all adds up. And his coworkers just stand by and like watch it happen. Exactly. And that's how I kind of feel about when we let racism just happen. You know, and I, I had a story with a friend recently she told me about someone who, a friend's parent, who said something horrible, and she talked to the friend about it, and then has just chosen to not see that friend's parent again. And I pushed her, and I was like, I've done the same thing. I hear you. I was like, but by you just avoiding that person, they don't get any punishment. They don't know they did anything wrong. They thought you were cool with it. They, they think it's a coincidence you haven't been around. <laughs> But if you had said something, maybe when you said it, they would have been mad. They would have, hopefully, probably. Likely. And maybe they would have thought you were wrong. But then what if someone else did it another time? And another time. At some point, they're going to learn, oh, you know what? They're probably not all crazy. They may not stop being racist, but they're going to learn, I can't say this ish anymore. Yeah. They're, they're, Hopefully they learn to behave better, but at least that part. 
Like, yeah, I, I mean, can't say this. I can't live like this. Exactly. If, at the very least, maybe they start to go. If everyone seems to get mad when I do this, hmm, are they crazy or am I? So I just challenge all of you, and I, and I apologize for that awkward moment that everyone kind of has now as they're listening, thinking of that person in their mind. It's either your aunt or your parents or your spouse's parents or whoever, you know. And listen, I'm not saying white people are the only people who do this. I know plenty of black people have told me stories of their family members who say some wild ish about a Jew or about gay people. And they're like, hold on now. Or they don't. Or they go, oh, that's just wacky old Uncle Daryl. You know he hates gay people. And and that's important. It's just not for right today. Right now I'm focusing on the white the white people version of it because that is the issue we're facing. And it's and it's the one that's been so rampant for so long. And you know, even in my own community, in the Jewish community, I'm very proud of the Jewish voting record and how Jews tend to continue to vote Democrat no matter how rich they are at like an 80% clip. And Jews support a lot of progressive agendas and Jews play a valuable role in the civil rights movement. There are tons of things I'm proud of, but there's also SGG. And don't worry, I'm not trying to ask you to comment on this, but there is also, there are also tons of Jews who may politically be left they may vote a certain way. They may even donate some money. But do they want their daughter to date a black guy? You know, do they say little slick things when they're yeah, all alone? That part. Do they use the Yiddish word, the Yiddish N-word, which all of us know who are listening right now and are Jewish? I didn't even know there was one. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's, just a, it's just a word for black, but it's used like the N-word. It is that like my, it's, it wasn't said in my house. Like it was, it was one of those things that was taught to me early. Like we don't, this is something that you don't say. And I, then I, but then, oh, I've continued to hear it. Oh, I've <laughs> continued to hear it. Just not in my own house. Yeah. Um, so Jews got to do better too. E- everyone has to do better. Hispanics have to do better. You know, Asians have to do better. And, and this is most, most specifically, we're talking about a black issue right now. But this is an issue that affects everybody. So I'll get off my soapbox. SUG, if you want to uh, add more, please feel free. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, we got to take advantage of this opportunity. Like, we can't just stick our heads in the sand, like, ride it out. Like you said, donate money. These corporations who've put out statements, you know, some of them rang a little bit hollow. I'll even admit, like, the WWE statement rang a little bit hollow. Throw some money behind it. Like, donate to some Well, and, and they didn't use the keywords. Uh, yeah. I, want, I want the keywords. Did you see the AEW statement? Um, I did not, but I but I got to say, like, you know, Tony Khan, in this instance, I'm willing to separate him from, like, his father. I know his family supported Trump as well, and I know his dad, you know, wrote, wrote a great letter but may or may not have thrown some money behind it. But Tony Khan's response to all of this, even when some people on his roster, I feel like, were fumbling and, and dropping the ball, Tony Khan specifically – and I also got to say, Hangman Adam Page, like their response to all this and how forceful and vocal they've been, phenomenal. Like, and they and they started the show SGG with a message. They started the show with a pre-roll, and they used the keywords. They talked about police brutality. The last words in the promo on the screen that flashed across the screen before AEW started this week was "Black Lives Matter." I mean, yeah. they they didn't they didn't tiptoe. They went for it. And, you know, WWE, let, they let AEW beat them to the punch on that. I don't know how Monday passes and you don't say something. You know what I mean? And then Wednesday, 
And then who knows? Maybe Fox will like push them into something on Friday. We'll see. But but yeah, shout out to AEW. Kudos to them for for just making that statement and letting it be known. Like this is like we can't have this in this society anymore. The the only thing, and listen, we know the history with WWE. We know, we understand that history, um, and it's not a it's not a pretty one with regard to race. Um, the only thing I saw that was good this week was that, in addition to their statement, which I thought was kind of weak and 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 a little fluffy, was that Vince um, Vince McMahon did also then write an internal memo after that. There was an internal memo about um, about the subject, and uh, I think he gave. I forget exactly what was covered in it, but I was glad to hear that in addition to a statement, there was an internal memo as well. Yeah, I read that, the, you know, he offered some mental health services, um, made them available 24-7, and then, like, opened up for some diversity training, which, I mean, I feel like whatever diversity training they've been doing is working because Randy Orton. Oh, yeah, I forgot. A man who you may see in the Black Power rankings this week. <laughs> Randy Orton turned around with, like, not only the Black Lives Matter, but here's why. Like, this is what I think about it. It's like pleasantly surprised. Well, but that, but that isn't that a great example, though, of like there there is such thing as change. There yeah. there are there are people who were not seen as allies who can become allies. Now, I think it's very hard to be a straight up. You know, if someone out there right now is a straight up monster, I think trying to convert those people is a waste of time. But someone like Randy, who had just lived with white privilege, son of a wrestler, you know, from Missouri, whatever, and lived the way he lived, didn't really prioritize it. And the fact that this woke him up, good. That's great. I I mean, I'm not going to sit here and throw a party for you, but welcome. Right, right, right. And like you said, I'm not going to, like, praise him too much, but at the same time, it does give me hope. And, like, I I hope we we get to talk to Randy about it because, like, Sometimes it feels like you're shouting into the void, right? Sometimes it feels like you're preaching to the choir and all those things. But then when you see a message like that from a guy like Randy Orton, who I'm not even sure, maybe he did say all lives matter previously. It doesn't even matter. But like a guy like that who I I wrote them off. You know what I mean? I felt like he's of a certain age. His views are locked in. Like just push forward, do what you can do. And then for him to jump on board and like really be on board, and you know he so, probably and he, and he probably took heat for it too. Yeah, it, and it says the messaging is like is getting across. But I, I agree. People are listening as long as people are open minded, then it it can get across. And I hope since it always seems like people are listening to this podcast, if someone from WWE does listen, I would just I would just say listen, lean into it, man, lean into it. Like people are okay, people love you. They love this brand. Black people still love this brand. In spite of all the things that have been problematic over the years, people love this brand. Instead of hiding from it, lean into it. You can you can acknowledge things that weren't always great and that things are now different. Listen, people, people are able to see that diversity within the company has changed over the last many years and that the trajectory of the talent has changed over the last several years. Yeah. So lean into the fact that things were not always great, but there's a concerted effort and that you care, you know? And and I, I just think the more companies can avoid being fluffy and be really direct, you know? Like like I said, I, I, try my, I try my hardest to just always, instead of preaching, push myself to be honest about the ways I'm whack and could be better. 
you know, in the pr- white privilege that I live with. Someone, someone tweeted me, and I don't, I don't always respond to everything on Twitter, even if sometimes I see something that I think is a good point. Although this one I did, but you know, sometimes I feel like if I reply to this, I, because the way Twitter operates, someone will repost what you say, and you're just burying yourself for no reason. And I'll have, I have to weigh out. Okay, this is <laughs> this is a risk worth taking because the point needs to be made. Or, like, this isn't that important a point. I'm not going to bother saying this. But someone tweeted me at some point this week. I had talked about white guilt on the air and how people use white guilt as an insult. And I was never insulted by it. I always felt like, well, if you're white in America, shouldn't you feel guilty? <laughs> why, why does it make you a bad person to feel guilty? I, I do feel guilty. I feel guilty that I have advantages that SGG doesn't have. Yeah, I, I do. That's, that's I, I feel bad. So someone tweeted me and said, oh, yeah, do you feel about white guilt? Do you feel white guilt? about having the job you have on not 97 and a black guy not having a job? I was like, yeah. Yeah, I do. Of course. <laughs> right. You think, you think I don't feel the privilege of that? You think that, you think that them bringing me in there wasn't because it was novel at the time that I was white? You think I'm unaware of that? Like it, it was part of my brand was being the white guy in hip hop. Like it's become less unique and sort of novel now, but. But you're a pioneer. You know what, SGG? You're not wrong. Um, but no, but, but I, yeah, I do feel some, some bit of guilt about it. And, and I do, and I honestly, I view my voice differently now. You know, there was a time where I, I would, I would say things back in the day and, and be so sort of aggressive with my opinions and really, and I didn't even hear my white privilege. I really didn't. Like, even sort of my beef with Chuck D that I had many years ago where I like called him out and I was like, no one made you the president of hip hop. Like, and people were really offended by it. <laughs> Even if I had reason to be uh, defensive because I was defending the radio station, the white privilege was oozing out of me to even come out of my face that way at Chuck D. You know, and I, I ended up, guess what? Here's a lesson. After enough, after I talked to enough people, guess what I did? Publicly oh apologized, bent the knee. You can go find it on YouTube. You'll find clips of, Blah, blah, blah. And then you'll see Rosenberg apologizes to Chuck D. I had to. And, and I don't see why people think it's so hard to apologize and say, I didn't get it right. I, I see it differently now. No one's, no one's expected to be perfect on every single issue. Yeah, you don't have to be locked into every viewpoint that you've ever held at any moment in your life. You know what I mean? Like, when I was a kid, I hated potato salad. I love potato salad now. <laughs> you're allowed to grow up. You're allowed to change. What a perfect SGG no? version of that. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Is that a new shirt? When I was a kid, I hated potato salad. <laughs> it might be. And listen, it pairs well with delicious chicken. What do you want me to By say? the way, I mean, it really, it really goes perfectly with, a, with like, delicious chicken. What do you want me to say? <sighs> I mean, listen, I've had to fight. I've had to deal, deal with on this show just how do I brand? How do I, I, you know how much time I've spent thinking about when I'm about to tweet something or post something, how to word things around Greg loving delicious chicken? I have, to like, I have to like overthink it in terms of how I verbalize it because SGG decided to run with his gimmick of loving delicious chicken because it's true. It is true. Like, it, and I mean, but it was. I had to, you still have to be mindful. Yeah, I, I, I had Crystal. Me and Crystal had to talk about. It. I'm just like, it boiled down to like, hey, I, I'm not representing black people in that moment. When I say that I'm not representing <laughs> culture, I'm not representing. I'm representing me, and. I like delicious chicken. Now, that doesn't mean you just approach me with some unsolicited chicken. And, and, or, or even worse, non-delicious chicken. Yeah, yeah, even worse. You, but, get, a, you get a slap for this. 
but I I do like delicious chicken. Like, so we started with a very serious conversation, and we ended up with Greg's love of potato salad and delicious. I know. Chicken. You know what? Though? I, I think we did well. I think it means it's time. I think it means it's time to talk a little bit of wrestling before you. How long do we go? I feel like it was more than fifteen minutes. I think it was. I don't know. I don't know what the I feel time. Like it was, was more like thirty minutes. But definitely was. It was what was needed, though. Um, what do you want to do with the world of professional wrestling? NXT has a pay-per-view coming up. Takeover Sunday, believe it or not. Um, Takeover Sunday? Saturday. Isn't it Sunday? Takeover in your house? I thought Takeover in your house is Saturday. Well, we're going to find out. Let me me drop a stat on time. Sunday, June 7th at 7. It's Sunday. It is Sunday. I'm actually, okay. You know what? I'm kind of happy about that. Take over in your house. I don't know why I thought it was Saturday. Because um, they've had them on Saturday too, right? Yeah, they, they're they always on Saturdays. I mean, every big one's on Saturday. They're didn't always they, I, on I Saturdays. Didn't, didn't have, they have one Sunday pay-per-view? The first one might have been on like a Wednesday or something. Okay, so like it's, definitively, it's, it's, it's definitively Sunday. Yes, okay. June 7th. Um, I like it. That, I like that they got the in your house branding. I think it's fun. I do too. They, they. I like that for NXT. They sort of steal and borrow from a lot of different other parts of history within the company and 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 in WCW, etc. Yeah. So that's you know that's happening on. Well, what are you what are you most excited Sunday. about? Let me guess. The dream. Yo, that match is gonna be fire. I, I I like that they got the cinematic treatment. I'm assuming they're going to get the cinematic treatment. Um, so we'll see, man. Like, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm torn because I love I love Adam Cole, but obviously I love Velveteen Dream. That is tough, honestly. Which one do you like more? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a no lose situation for me. Like, I'm gonna be happy no matter who wins. This is like Brett versus Owen. Yeah, this is. This is, oh my goodness! Speaking of Brett, shouts to wrestling for sale. Yes, yes, he he has a lot. No, um, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Well, it's gone now. He had it. He had a lot. He had a lot. He had denim jackets. He had all kinds of shirts. He had merch I'd never seen before. And he had one shirt in particular that I, I I can't wait to get my hands on. Like. Everybody knows me. I'm physically cheap, but I, I, I cracked open the wallet for this one. You're large and cheap. Yeah, I, I, I cracked Which open the Which is both both are relevant here. I only say that because both are relevant. Because they yeah. had, a, had a size for you. Did he yeah. give you a, did he give you a measurement? Um, he did not, but I trust. I take your words on it. it and whatever, if I can't fit it, I'll frame it. Like it doesn't matter. You you should. SGG, here's the thing. If you can't fit it, it's a real motivation for you because I have that shirt. <laughs> And it's like one of the biggest extra larges I own. Like it's it's it, big and comfortable. Big. It is, it is beautiful. And for people who don't know the shirt that we're talking about, obviously you won't because we, we haven't said it. But yeah, and most people wouldn't even know this even if you when we do talk about it. But go ahead. I've only seen you with this shirt. Okay. You have the only one I've ever seen. It. And then he pops up with five. One of them is in my size, and I'm like, you know what? I got to get it. It's never, this chance is never going to come around again. It's a Bret Hart shirt. It has an image of Bret. And then it has uh, Brett the Hitman Hart in writing all across the shirt. Now, people have seen this shirt in all pink. 
but this mm-hmm. is what I call the the blue Brett. But yeah, the blue Brett, I, I can't wait to get my hand on it. At Wrestling for Sale on Instagram, he has more items and like these aren't just items acquired that he put together, right? P, I think you could correct me if I'm wrong, but these items came directly from Bret Hart's personal collection to Ted, and then one of them is coming to me. Yes, correct. So I mean, it's it's a yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing the things that he had in there. Um, it, it's Brett, I guess, just would grab stuff. Now th- this shirt, this blue all over print, which by the way, you know, there's a back, right? No, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a there's a back. I think the back says um, WWF World Heavyweight Champion. I think on the back, oh. something like that. It's incredible, but. The, yeah, the, the one that you see all the time was the Brett. It's the pink. It's white base with the pink all over print and the picture of Brett. And this is like that, except it's blue. And I think this one was like a, was Europe only. I definitely yeah, never. I, think, I don't think it was ever available here. I think you would have had to buy it at a live event in Europe. Yeah, which makes it even more special, like even more rare. And you know, I had to. So I had of all the rare stuff he had there. I had everything because I'm a psychopath. But although I was tempted to rebuy some because the condition you're getting is like worn once or twice, mine's pretty beat. But um, I the, the, I got three items. Um, I got the SummerSlam Heart and Soul, which I never had, and it's I mean it's Bret and Undertaker. You have to have it. I already have one. I have one Bret and Undertaker shirt, which is the Royal Rumble shirt. Um, with the one that says like twenty nine heads will roll or whatever, and it's a picture. Of yeah, Brett. I have that. But um, I have the SummerSlam Heart and Soul shirt, which I've always loved. And then um, another Brett shirt that I love that's just black with just the picture of him. There's nothing on it. No words. It's just a. It's just sort of a silhouette picture of him on it. It's fire. It's like the most low-key of all the shirts he had. And I don't know how – I don't know when it's from, but I never had it. And then I got the denim jacket. You got the jacket? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know why the denim jacket's fire? Why is that? Because I don't because I don't think there's anything obvious, if anything at all, on the front. Yeah, I think it's all in the back. There might be. A, is it a WWE logo on the front? There might. There might be an old WWF on it. Maybe, but it's very low key on the front, so you can wear it, and then people see the back, and it's ridiculous. You have a huge breath on <laughs> yeah. your back. That's that's what I hated about the jackets, though. Even like the HBK denim jacket is like. That the the graphic on the back is like, all right, this is absurd. No, this it's a lot, and the Brett one's a lot too. It's a lot. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I, I these days I'm very into denim jackets too. Um, like I actually just like wearing denim jackets, so they're kind of they've been back for the last couple of years. So anyway, shouts to wrestling for sale, man. Yeah. He did it, and I have heard SGG that there's another box coming. Oh, yeah, there could My be God. more. There could be more coming. And by the way, SGG, I mean, you and I are both. Huge Bret Hart guys. Could you have been happier to to see what Bret what Bret statements are around this stuff? Could not have been more happier, and I couldn't have been because, like, listen. After I saw what Jericho was doing, I was like, "All right." Well, what did Jericho do? I didn't even know what he did. Well, you know, he posted some sort of middle of the road statements, peace and love, on his Instagram, and then somebody commented, "Black Lives Matter," and he commented, "All I Lives Don't Matter. know he didn't. Yeah. No, and he was having that debate with people in his comments. Um, so I was like, "All right, listen, man. I need Brett to either say nothing, or or come correct 
and you know, a, a lot of people's goats let them down this week when when people started opening their mouths to make statements. But thankfully, you know, I can I can jump on my high horse again because Brett said <laughs> exactly what you want to say in a situation like this. Brett's awesome. Let me just say, yeah, that. that's awesome. Yo, are you jealous that Brett's wife's uh, Brett's wife follows me on Instagram? Yeah, one hundred. I'm jealous that any heart follows you on Instagram. <laughs> I have no hearts on Instagram. <laughs> all, all my hearts on Instagram come for Crystal. Yo, I'm I'm marked out. I'm marked. <laughs> that was double fun. I marked out so hard when we when Brett came to the station that day and Blade marked out for me. I was because Blade's like a hip hop fan. Yeah, Blade's like a you know nerdy Canadian sitting around watching hip hop interviews kind of guy. I say that in the most loving uh, way possible. The same way I'm a nerdy American doing the same thing. Anyways, we can stop putting ourselves over now and how made the shirts are, but follow at wrestling for sale. Um, yeah, Brett rules. Uh, we all know that. Um, so, moving right along, SGG. Uh, I, I, I'm excited for Cole Dream. I think they have an opportunity. TakeOver has the opportunity to have a couple of matches that could be the best things we've had from WWE in quarantine since the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match. Yeah. I really, um, I think between it being in the performance center and it's takeover. So we're used to them in the performance center. They now have some crowd there. Um, even if it's whatever, I think there's an opportunity considering the Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte match should be masterful. Yes. Yes. I was going to say, do not sleep on that match. Nope. And, and Cole dream should be masterful. Um, I'm very excited. Did you see my appearance on NXT this week? As I just said, I was done putting myself over. I did not. I did not. Yeah, they, I was in the package they did for the lead-up to the women's match at TakeOver. Nice. And I know what a lot of you were thinking was this show, but Rosemary, you don't even know what the hell's going on on NXT. How dare And I just want to say this. How dare you? I mean, you I, knew you were on. You knew you were on. That's right. So. <laughs> exactly. I knew that. <laughs> Let me just say the words of Stephen A. Smith. How dare you? <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't even know if he's actually ever said that. It's just my favorite thing to say. I think he might have. He might the have. audacity. <laughs> the the unmitigated gall. Gall. Oh. <laughs> um, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about SmackDown. The, the Probably the best SmackDown of the Fox era. So you really liked the Jeff Hardy angle. What? I loved it. That had, listen, I had everything that a wrestling fan comes to wrestling for in 2020. It had some realism. It had drama. It it had backstage access. It had shenanigans. It it furthered a feud. It gave you some story development in terms of that not only Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy, but this Intercontinental Championship tournament. It it wove together a couple of different storylines. It it was perfect. It was perfect. Like I, I looked at Crystal after the first twenty minutes. I was like, "Listen, nobody. They didn't even show the ring." And this has been amazing television. First, they had the little segment in the beginning outside of Full Sail with Braun snitching, which I never thought I would have seen in my life. Like you must Braun have disgusted. Yeah, Braun straight up was just like he went, he went that way. And then backstage meeting with Adam Pierce and the, the whole roster, like Jimmy Uso had his name written on his hat. The whole thing was comedy. And then after 20 minutes, you're just like, 
wow, what what's next? Which is exactly what you want out of an opening segment on the show. I thought that the bit outside went a little long for my taste, just a little bit. But I, I love that it felt different and weird, and I was like, what's going on here? Um, and then I really enjoyed the part after that when they went inside and kind of had the talent meeting. Yeah. It just all felt different. And I was like, okay, we're now three months in. We may be closer to having fans back than we are than we are from the beginning of this. Maybe. I'm not saying we are, but we could be. We could be. We could have fans back in an arena in like a half capacity in three months. I would believe that. Okay. Um, at least in some markets, potentially. And now we're finally figuring out, let's let's move things around a little bit. Let's make things a little bit different. Let's – it's – I just don't know what the reluctance has been to mix things up and, and get after it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think I think we hit the nail on the head, or you you alluded to it. It's it's been the fans, right? Because I mean, listen, let's be let's be completely real. If the fans are in the crowd, as much as we love Otis, he's not a plenty in the bank holder. The fans and that reaction has been the effect that it's had is like it causes them to pivot a little bit too early instead of like making us wait it out and see where it goes because you know they they shuffle things around a lot based on what they hear. Some some things they stick to their guns with, but then and, and sometimes have to believe. Like, and sometimes they may jump too early because of the fans, but sometimes the fans lead them the right way. Yeah, sometimes. It's like a third split, though. Like, sometimes we lead them the right way. Sometimes they they don't listen when they should, and then sometimes like, we're just wrong and they're, they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and again, I don't think Otis ends up with Money in the Bank with the fans there. And I think, you know, without – we get to see where this goes. They get to give us some story development, and who knows? They could be making a huge star, but the fans and the audience sometimes tends to cut people off at the knees so that we can go with our flavor of the month, and then we cut them off at the knees. It happened to Seth Rollins last year. He was he was the fan-anointed guy, pushed him to a world championship. He got the universal title. And then he got cut off at the knees so that Bray could have it. And then after Bray gets it, another pocket of fans of very vocal, like, oh, it doesn't make sense for him to have it. What is he doing? Now we got to get the belt off Bray. Um, by the way, did you also read this week that MVP is now full-on in-ring talent? I did. Which He's no longer a producer. I thought I heard him say that he was – having his last match in January. I mean, now, but do you think that means wrestling more or you think that just means he's going to be a full-time manager? Um, I don't know who, who knows. Hopefully, hopefully he gets to like mix it up a little bit, do some of both. Um, If he's going to wrestle though, SGG, they got to let him like start winning every once in a while. (laughs) He's only been, the reason I could tell he wasn't going to be wrestling really was because how much of a jobber he's been in the ring. Like he's just in there to kind of get beat up. So I think if that's gonna if you're gonna build his character, we gotta get a little something. A reminder that he can get a win. True. Has he True. won since he came back? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think, think so either. Had one. I don't think he's had one. It's amazing. I mean, if only MVP had come back when some people suggested he come back years ago. Yeah. Yeah. What he could have been he, he could have imagine if he comes back five five years ago. 
And I think that's around the time he might have started considering it. If he'd come back five years ago with how great he is on the mic and how much, you know, he could have been world champion. Yeah, I mean, certainly we could have seen him in there with, like, other guys who are great on the mic. He might have even he might have even got a match with Rock like he'd been wanting. Rock popped up here and there. Yeah. And that's how. Rock it's with, not a match, a promo. The Rock with a big presidential promo this weekend. Yeah. This week. Yeah, man. Um, speaking of, I also read that Samoa Joe is replacing Jerry the King Lola on commentary, which... So that, that's official? That's what I read, yes. That's official. He's replacing Jerry King Lola on commentary, which, I mean, finally. But then that's another thing. Like, I don't I don't know if I want Samoa Joe's... Done. In ring to be... Yeah, I don't know if I wanted that. Um, I was on the Black Announce table, their, their most recent episode. I suggested maybe Joe do commentary on Raw and wrestle on SmackDown so that way we get to still see him with some in-ring action because I feel like as great as he is on commentary, he still has a lot to offer. Um, in the ring. That would be interesting. That would be interesting, actually. A split like that, where he, like, references, like, it'll come up, like, he'll reference it, like, oh, this past week, you know, I beat the hell out of so-and-so, and well, you know what I mean? Right. And well, even give him, a, give him a title and let him go to Raw with the title with nobody can challenge for it. Well, my guess is, well, my guess is this is just probably more about did they, is, have the injuries just added up too much? Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Um, and also, you never know. It's, it's WWE, so he could do this for six months, and then they they could be back in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> what's, what's I will, it? Yeah, I will refer back to the MVP conversation. We have thirty eight seconds of that. <laughs> right. True. So you never know. Um, looks like we're heading towards a Mike Tyson Chris Jericho match. I mean, okay, that's my assumption. You're not interested. Not yet. Let me not say I'm not interested. Let me say not yet, because who knows? Like they could do something that that turns it around. But for me, I feel like Chris Jericho. I don't know, man. He needs to be. He's a guy that can carry talent if he needs to. Yes, but he needs to be in there with, you know, wrestlers who actually have something to work with. I don't know. How dare you? I'm sorry. Listen, Mike Tyson. Is a living legend. We all love him, but he is not a wrestler. No, and 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 Mike so much. And Mike, um, he's also not a talker in in this context. You know, Mike. If you if you notice through all of Mike's appearances in wrestling over the years, think about the combined words he's ever said on the mic. He never cuts actual promos. He yeah. just kind of, he just kind of, he yells off the mic and he'll and like, I just think he goofs off. He thinks it's funny and a goof, but he doesn't have an interest in trying to really go further than that. Cause if you think back to the WWE years, I mean, come on. One of the most memorable things about Tyson Austin to me is always that when right before Mike Pushems, he just, he doesn't have a mic. He's like, and he's like kind of points at his own chest and then shoves it. <laughs> But he doesn't have a mic. Uh, you know, as, as Austin's we'll saying, you've got your beady little eyes on the toughest son of a bitch. That whole part, Mike doesn't have a mic. He's just sort of like talking to air. So I think I don't think that's unintentional. I think he's not comfortable with it for whatever reason. We'll I've never asked that. him that. I'll, I'll ask him about that. I, I wonder why. And also, here's my question. 
was Mike's whole boxing comeback thing just a troll because he was coming back to fight Jericho? Oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. If so, it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. But, but, then, they, but then they need to spin it into he makes an announcement. Like Tyson's announcing who his next opponent is tomorrow, and he goes on whatever, and he announces his next opponent. You know, it's not going to be Tyson Fury. It's not going to be Evander Holyfield. It's going to be Chris Jericho. And yeah. you got to work the whole sports business and have everyone like, what? We thought you were boxing. He's like, I don't have a fight. I have a fight against Chris Jericho. That would be brilliant. So that, that was a, that's across my mind the other day. Um, uh, next week, we will break down the NXT TakeOver this weekend. We will also um, preview Backlash, which is a week from Sunday. Um, and we'll get to mailbag rosenbergbeats at gmail.com I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughtful and emotional emails this week not going to have time to get to the ones that are there right now but we will um, do you have anything else SGG you wanted to say this week um, I, I did want to talk about the triumphant return of the black power rankings oh my gosh and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blacker than black, blacker than black, black, I'm blacker than black, yo, because I'm black, and I'm black. Been way too long. Wow. It's been, it's been way too long. It's, it's, it's like one of those WWE returns where, like, you didn't even know why the person was off TV, but then all of a sudden <laughs> they show back up. Right. <laughs> all right, let's, let's do it. It's time, man. In in the number three, we gotta give a give a big black power rankings to all the all the black champions in wrestling across all the different companies. You know, WWE has seven black champions. MLW has a black champion. Um, I don't have to name them. You know who they are because they have the gold around their waist and they're putting on for us. So shout out to all the black champions carrying gold in this time, um, especially our new United States champion Apollo Cruz. Oh. Can't can't forget about that man. Um, and then number two, all the performers again from all the different companies all across the world who showed solidarity, put out statements, and are urging their fans and supporters to think about things a little bit different, change the way they view things, understand that Black lives do matter, and then do what they can to use their platform. Are you including Randy Orton? I'm including everybody, man. Everybody. Everybody all the performers who did that. And then in the number one, us, the people who just decided like, we're not having it anymore. That the issue of police brutality is out of control. Um, what's happening to black people in this country and all across the world is out of control. Shining the spotlight on it. However you may be people who are marching, the people who are donating, the people who are doing the difficult work of talking to people that they're close with, loved ones, family members, the people trying to actually uh, effectuate change and really be about it and not just, you know, turn a blind eye to it or retreat into a safe space where you're not affected by it. You know, number one, this week's Black Power Rankings. And did you want, did you want to uh, this week announce the, the, uh, what the rumored, the rumored renaming of the Black Power Rankings? Yes. Oh, this my goodness. This, I, I, a suggestion I, came in and I thought it was a, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I think so too, and I think you know we gotta we gotta go with it going forward. Um, so after this day, 
No, we'll include it to this in this you think day. So? Gonna, oh, it'll, be the, it'll be the debut. Yeah, we're going to unveil the name right now. You know, like I said, you know, in the number three, the black champions, and the number two, the performers who put out statements, and the number one, us, the people pushing forward change. And that has been this week's uh, Shad Gaspard Black Power Rankings. Oh, see, now that's what that sounds. That sounds right. The Shad Gaspard Black Power Rankings. Rolled right off the tongue. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the guy who tweeted us that idea. Um, I I should find it so we can give you proper credit. But fantastic idea. And uh, glad to see it implemented at Shuji. I think it's when when you really learn about the man Shad Gaspard was, really deserving and appropriate. Yeah, like he was he was a hero in every sense of the word, like everybody says. Um, all right, guys. Well, listen, everyone out there, be safe. Take care of each other. Um, speak up. You know, be an agent for change yourself. Um, oh, if you didn't like what we had to say on these issues, you can also F off and stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> right. um, and if it challenged you, but it made you think, and you want to think more on it, and you, you like the thoughts you're having, good for you. And congratulations. I'm glad you're starting to have those thoughts. And uh, SGG, you also, or you also this weekend, do me a favor and, and, and take it easy. And enjoy yourself, Pete. It's professional wrestling. Wrestler in the history of the art form. Midge.